Good morning, everyone, and a very happy new year to all of you. Um, I'd like to send our greeting to Mary Ramsey, who's probably watching on Zoom, to Katya and Ethan, who are for sure watching on, on Zoom, uh, and to everybody else who may be out there on Zoom, Vita, uh, yeah, and uh, so, so many others. We miss you, we love you, and uh, a happy new year to you all. Let's just uh, begin in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for bringing us together. We thank you for the freedom with which we can worship you. We thank you for these precious moments. And Father, we ask that you will open up the eyes of our understanding as we we grapple with your word that has been given to us. We thank you because you paid the price. We thank you because you died in order that our sins might be forgiven. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you in so many different ways throughout the time of our lives. We offer you this sermon this time together in advance as an act of worship in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's going to be the best year of ever, right? You heard it here first. <laughs> it's going to bring it up a bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know whether people out there want to hear more, more of me, but. <laughs> Some of you may remember that I preached uh, a few months ago on uh, the Great Commandment. And, uh, so I begin with a quick summary of that last sermon entitled The Great Commandment. The template of a good sermon is to begin by telling the congregation what it is you're going to say. And then you deliver the sermon as you share the main points. And finally, you tell people what you just said so that the congregation can mull it over during the ensuing week. So Luke chapter 10 said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And so just the takeaway from that sermon, that, that those particular verses, is that we're to love God with every fiber of our being. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He also said, love one another. He also said, a little bit more difficult, love your enemy. He also expected us to know Scripture well, to make it our business to know Scripture well. He expected us to put love into practice. The Apostle Paul says that we should pray without ceasing. Number two, love yourself. That's the second part of the great commandment. We sometimes forget that. Love yourself. God loves you. Christ loves you. 
We have to love ourselves. We have to look into that mirror and say, you're okay because you've been redeemed. And then the third part of the great commandment was to love your neighbor. And I mentioned then that our neighbor is retold beautifully in the story of the Good Samaritan. Essentially, anybody in any kind of need. That's our responsibility, to love our neighbor. So with this understanding of what our vocation is, we enter this new year determined to make it an excellent year, to make it one of the best years of our life ever. And so we come to our passage for today, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Now, I'm just going to, in a sense, skim this chapter. There's so much more. I mean, you could, you could do whole sermons on each of the, each of the verses, really, you could. Uh, but I'm just going to do a, a quick um, resume. I'll read it first. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who were at Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses and sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. As a plan, for, for the fullness of time, he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness in time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I take away from this passage some of the following. There's so much more there, but this is, this is where I'm going to go. This passage clearly outline, outlines our position in God's plan for us during our earthly sojourn. We can't say we don't know what to do. That's what the Bible is all about. <laughs> the Bible is what we have to do. We need to know Scripture. Inside, outside, we have to make it our, 
our quest to be very familiar with scripture, to be able to go to it when we need to go to it, to be able to share it with our brothers in Christ, even people who do not know Jesus Christ. We know what God's plan for us in our earthly sojourn. It's laid out for us here in this passage. We've been blessed here and now with every spiritual blessing. It's all there for us. We can't say, I don't know. If we say that, of course, we're not doing, we're not doing our job. We're not doing the work that, that the Lord has asked, to, asked us to do. We are a blessed people as believers. We were chosen to be holy and blameless for this task since before time began. Way back, long before we were here, God had his design for us. So this is not some late coming thing that we're dealing with here. This is part of a really grand plan and uh, we need to be cognizant of that fact. Every one of us in this room has been adopted into the family of God. We are formally adopted into the family of God. And that puts us into a situation where we have to be God's representatives. Once we're in a family, we're a representative of that family. And that's where we're uh, called to live out um, the life that we've been called to. Our sins are forgiven. This, this is a, a bit of a, a problem, I think, for, for certainly for me and for many Christians that I know, is we tend to be overwhelmed by the fact that we are we, we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But our sins are forgiven. We, we have to believe that we're a forgiven people. He has removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, which, as I understand, is infinite distance. They're gone. The price has been paid for them. They're done. If we have turned our life over to Christ, our sins have been forgiven. So they cannot continue to be an impediment for us to go about doing the work of the Lord in the world. We know what the task is that he has given us, to love God, to love ourselves, and to love our neighbor. So every day when we wake up, we need to consider those three things. How am I going to love God today? How am I going to love myself today? In, and that, of course, is in the best sense of that word. We've been asked to love ourselves. How am I going to love my neighbor? Sometimes our neighbor is very difficult to love. We've, we've had that experience. Another part of our job is that in loving our neighbor, 
in reaching out to people, in making connections, at the back of our mind, we have to think, how is it that I can help to reconcile the brokenness in this world that we live, the brokenness that may even be between you and your neighbor, or you and a family person, a family member? How are we going to reconcile the brokenness that so easily besets so many of us? But that's our job. We have to somehow be the peacemakers, be the people who are trying to reconcile, to bring together, to repair. You know, some people wonder what the solution is to all the problems on earth. And I, I hate to even say it because we're all going to choke. But the answer is really simple. We, you and I, we're the solution that God had in mind for the problems in this earth. We are the solution. So we have to work to reconcile all brokenness. That's our job. We are predestined to partner with Christ in this work. He promises to be at our side during every step of the journey through life. You know, and that, you know, how is he going to be at our side through every step of the journey through life? Well, that's where I come back to. We really have to know scripture. We have to be able in our mind to immediately bring up his word that's going to enable us, enable us to cope with the given situation in our life. We need to know his word. I, you know, I, I be, and I'm, I'm as guilty, I suppose, as anybody, maybe even more than everybody. But, uh, you know, when we were younger, it was a lot, and, and those of you who are of a certain age will, will recall this. But when I was younger, we were younger, it was a lot easier to, to do things like scripture memory, because there was only one version of the Bible. There was the King James Version. That was the only one existed when I was growing up. I mean, uh, I never saw another one anyway, perhaps there was. Um, but, and so, of course, at the summer camps, the children's camps that my wife and I had been involved with for many, many years, um, of course, we did things called Bible memory. And you could win prizes. I won a silver dollar one time. and I won a trip to Ottawa on a Viscount. Now, that's a very old airplane. I did. I remember it well for memorizing all of Psalm 119. Ah, hey, I worked for that one. There's 365 verses there, one for every day of the year, you know? Yeah, so, so, yeah, it's, um, where was I going with that? Yeah, we need to, <laughs> we, we, we need, to have scripture at the center of our lives. We need to be able to refer to it easily, simply, and, and just allow the very word of God to accompany us into these various situations that we find uh, that are uh, you know, coming to us through life. We are predestined to partner with Christ in his work 
He will be at our side every step of the journey through life. I'm not just saying that. He promises that. He promises that, you know. And then finally in the passage, and there's so much more in this passage, but I'm just being a little bit cursory here. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit as we walk through this life, we can be confident that the Holy Spirit is guiding us, is instructing us, is empowering us, is showing us how to love in all the various circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in. So, if we let him, Jesus will help us to be like him. That's what we want. We want to be like Jesus in all of our day-to-day -day interactions with people. We want to be able to give answers like Jesus would give them. We want to be able to provide solutions the way Jesus would provide solutions. Jesus, after all, is the living water. He stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water. That's what we've got undergirding us. That's what we got. That's the gas in our engine that's going to drive us to do what we need to do. Jesus offers us freedom from bondage. In Romans 8 and 21, he says, Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God into the glorious liberty of the children of God. That sense of freedom. You know, you know, all over the world now, you've got protest groups, and they all they want freedom, you know, freedom convoy, freedom this, freedom. The glorious freedom of the children of God to do what God has called them to do. To love God with all of our heart and our strength and our mind is to become like Jesus. That's what's entailed. That will change the world. And it did. In the Roman circuses all around the Roman world, especially during some emperor's reigns, Christians were murdered by the thousands. They were herded into these circuses and they were torn apart by animals. I've read accounts where it says that for every Christian who died in the circus, 10 new ones walked out. Even in the agony of their death, people in the stands were able to see 
the glory of Jesus Christ. These people were down there willing to die for Jesus. To love God with all our heart, strength, and mind will change the world. It has. If you listen to almost any of the media that's out there, regardless of what kind it is, they're all talking about, you know, love and, and caring and uh, all the ways that we can, you know, help in the world. A lot of these things would never have happened in the Roman world. It's because Jesus has come. That healing slowly but surely will begin and is beginning and will change the world and it'll change your life. So as some of you know, I, I try my hand at poetry. So somehow or other during what, what year? Recent, 19, 1922. I wrote this. Our days are now uncertain, just as they've always been. But we carry on oblivious to variations on the theme. Delusions play a certain part. We hide our face. We, we fail to start, which rarely soothes a broken heart. And the certainty of our uncertainty seems certain. So we carry on believing that we know how life should be, that we've figured out the universe and everything we see. Avoiding suffering, embracing gain, grasping avarice, avoiding pain, mostly blind and thoroughly vain, and the certainty of our uncertainty seems certain. Not much hope with politicians and not much hope with kings and queens, not much hope with corporate titans, not much hope at all, it seems. Empty promises without end, touting gifts they rarely send, impossible to comprehend, and the certainty of our uncertainties seems certain. But I catch a glint of love and truth. I do, I do see a glimmer of hope as I listen to a man of peace whose words have helped us cope, whose words have helped us, sorry, words of vision, rest, and grace, forgiveness seeps through every space, words of mercy, a resting place, and the possibility of certainty seems certain. So let's celebrate uncertainty as opportunity concealed. It's love that heals the broken heart, forgiveness, hope revealed. It's always love that calms our fears. It's always love that dries our tears. It's always love through all the years. And the answer to uncertainty is the certainty of love. So let's reach out our hands with kindness, which kindles joyous hope. Walk all the crooked paths to love and help each other cope. So God bless you all throughout this new year. Now we know why, no matter what happens, 2023 will be our best year ever. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. I end with this wonderful verse. The Lord himself goes out before you 
and will be with you, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Father, we give to you our lives that we may honor you by serving you according to the dictates of your word. Father, we thank you for the love that you've given to us, and we ask that you will help us to transfer that love to our neighbor, to ourselves, to God. We ask that you will bless this congregation as we walk through this new year. That will be a year of, of learning, of experiencing, of knowing how to cope with situations as they arise. And Father, that you will bring peace to our hearts, peace to our congregation, peace to our city, peace to our world. We offer you this time together, this time of worship to you and ask that you will take us by the hand through the ensuing weeks, months, and years. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>